Welcome to another Oaken Bros podcast. My name is Eric. My name is Michael, and we have Mama Oaken here. Before we say anything, like, subscribe, and leave comments down below. Please do. We have to start saying that. We're like, 17 like, episodes in. Like, share, and subscribe. Like, please. share, subscribe, and we haven't said that once. That's I think right. we've tried to say it. So today we have Phyllis Oaken here, and Ooh. this is to talk about her amazing writing career. Well, you know what? I, I want to stop you right there. I, I want to start by saying how proud I am of you kids. Oh. You know, no, really, seriously. Thank you, Mommy. I mean, how long are you doing this? Two months? We're a month in. A month a in? A month, month and a half. Okay. A month into filming, yeah. 60 days ago, what did you know about this? Nothing. 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 60 days ago, this was... It was an idea. This was an, a regular office in our building. Yeah, it was Dad's office. It was Dad's office. It was, um, you didn't have this equipment, you had no viewership, you, you know, while you watched a lot of podcasts, you know, I know because you always send them to me when you find something interesting. Right. Um, what did you really know about being on a podcast? And yet here you are, 17, 17 I don't know, I, I, don't, I don't know what episode this I is. I think it is 17. 17 or 18. But you're not even It doesn't, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter the it, number, but we, we've done it. We've done it in the teens now. And it's, we're not, we're not even slowing down. Yeah. It's like each episode compounds on itself where we say, Oh, you know what? We're going to do this next. It's evolving. And the reason it's evolving is because you are so proactive to learn. And you taught me something years ago. I don't know if you remember the conversation, Michael, but it was right around when Alex was born. I was having a little trouble. He, had he wasn't turned, born. He was like two years old he where he two, did not want to play the games he didn't that you want were to playing. Play the games I was, and you said to me, reinvent yourself, mom. And That's Anthony Robbins 101. Right. And you know what? It was a brilliant idea. And what you guys have done is you've reinvented yourselves. And I've had several reinventions over the years. That, whether I knew it or not, reinvention has happened to me several times. But look at look at what you've done. You've created a little mini empire, if you want to call it. I feel, it. don't say the word empire on this broadcast. <laughs> I, um, why are you afraid the empire strikes back? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't say empire on this podcast. Um, we, um, it, you know, it, reinvention is, it's everything because I look at people who are stuck right. in nineties music, you know, someone that just can't listen to today's music or whatever, or someone who's stuck in a clothing error. You know, uh, there's, there's a dad that I know in the district that we're in, right. And he's still wearing shorts that we were all wearing back in 1996. You know, like it was there, there are certain short and like you look at him and he's just, he's not reinventing himself to, with the times. And sometimes you don't have to reinvent yourself. You don't have to listen to the newest thing and you don't have to have the newest thing. I think also people who have to have the newest thing are assholes too, in some respect that, you know, I got to have the newest, uh, you know, toy out. Um, but reinventing your lifestyle, reinventing the way you think. I think that goes hand in hand with life. And I think that that that's with what I spoke about in, that's what I spoke about in keep common ask on that every season for me personally, this is what I do every season. I make a new playlist and music has been a huge creative outlet for me for my writing. And what I do is um, a season, you know, a quarter, basically January, February, March, I'll have my winter playlist that I will listen to. And that playlist will be, in with the times of what's happening for January, February, March. And it gets me thinking, it gets my creative juices flowing. And I listen to that playlist at night or I listen to that playlist mainly when I'm driving. And, and then when, when that season is over, 
I create a new playlist. I create spring because the winter is officially over. And to me, that's another form of reinvention that it doesn't mean that I have to be, you know, buying the newest, coolest gadgets or whatever. It's, it's reinventing how you think as a person. Well, it too. puts your mindset in a different place. Well, Correct. Not- and, it, and, and, and it's a chapter that ends and it begins a chapter, a season begins and it ends and a new season begins and ends. it doesn't have to end. It, it evolves. For, for, I like to think it no, evolves. No, mom. January 2019 is over. over. It ended. The, the winter of 2019, the winter of dad's passing is over. Mm-hmm. Well, my point, so now we're in the fall season, right? But I think what f- mom's trying to say is that whatever happened during that time period shapes you for your next time period. 100%. And that, so, and yes, and it does but, evolve. But, but yeah, that's that's. I'm not I'm listening saying. to the same music over and over again. I'm trying new bands. I'm trying new, right, new, but new you'll, genres. You'll, you'll, still, can't you'll get, still go back and listen to your favorite mm-hmm. songs. Right, but yes, you, absolutely. you can't get to the music. Like you may start out with a certain style music or certain way of doing something and it gets you to its peak mm-hmm. and then you go on not for nothing. I just wanted to say is the expression that reinvention uh, that uh, what is it? It's something mother Re- of all re- reinvention is the mother of skill. No, the mother repetition of, uh, repetition. No, you guys no, botched there's that another big one. time. Yeah, no, there's another <laughs> one. Tony Robbins. It's, yeah. Tony Robbins says repetition is the mother of skill that if you do something over and over and over again, you're going to get good at it. No, there's something about reinvention. Uh, something about reinvention is the mother of, Invention. Mm-hmm. We have to look it up. Mm-hmm. But there is a thing that, in other words, if you don't reinvent, you don't grow. Hundred percent. And and which brings me. Oh, to, if you're not growing, you're dying. Right. That's it. Right. That, I agree. That, that, that's the Tony Robbins. If you're not reinventing yourself, you're dying. Well, you know what amazes me? Excuse me, mom. Yeah. And you know, as we're interviewing people, and as you know, we come into more conversations. More, I take what we do for granted, and it's amazing that I, we're always planning. And like, I have a five-year plan. I have a 10-year plan. I have, I have a plan of what I'm doing next week mm-hmm. and the direction that we want to go and doing this in business will allow this to happen in my life or, or w- whatever it is like, and it's amazing to me that not everyone does that. I thought that everyone does that, but from, from what I'm learning is people have a plan, they get there and then they just stay there. Right. And that w- that's like mind boggling to me that 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 would happen. Mm-hmm. But you can see it in people's lives because not saying there's anything wrong with it, but that's why people stay in the same house for 40 years or that's why. Yeah, but some people, they're fine with that. Agreed. And for people- me, for me, it's not. Right. And I'm not saying I want to constantly be on the move. I want to constantly be on the move. I have, I don't know if I want to say I have an end game, but like no I, ha- I have where I have where I want to be right now and, and I have where I want to go. But it's amazing when you ask somebody, so what's your game plan? They look at you with a blank stare. It's important to have a game plan. But here, there's someone that you know that's very near and dear to your heart that's very happy with the status quo, that doesn't like to reinvent themselves. Not everybody likes change. Correct. Right? And, and I want to say that daddy was, we always had a five-year plan. Everything, everything we did, mm-hmm. we planned it out for five. We were going to buy, invest in a certain type of car. We were going to go after a certain type of market. We set up a five-year plan. He stopped when he got sick. Yeah. And, and we were, both of us were stuck in this kind of swamp. Yeah. Of Eric and I didn't stop reinventing ourselves. No, you didn't. But, but that's going to segue into, and I'm sorry for interrupting, but yeah. that's going to segue into our kind of topic of discussion today. That was kind of like a primer on what, right. what reinvention really is about. 
dad couldn't go anywhere. It was very hard for him to travel. He what we were able to go to Vegas because he would allow himself to kind of himself. suffer. Yeah. He would push himself and suffer to until get to, became, to get to Vegas. So, well, no, until the final year that right. he just he couldn't go anymore. Right, but and he probably want he I know he wanted, he wanted to. to. No, he, oh he wanted to. That was yeah. his happy place. Yeah, 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 yeah. It probably you know it still is in some regard. Yeah. But the idea of reinvention. All right, so you got stuck. You were I, stuck in the house. You couldn't go anywhere. Right. What'd you do? Well, what'd you what'd you immerse yourself in? I I was I felt I never got depressed in my life, and I felt myself getting depressed because mm -hmm. he didn't want to go anywhere. He didn't want to do it, and I wouldn't do it without him. I mean, we and were, mind you, to our viewers and everything, my mother, our mother, is the least depressed person. No, I it's ever like very far. Uh, yeah, it's me. it's very far into. I didn't even our family. It. Yeah, I and didn't when even. dad when dad was getting that depression, like what is this? What, what well, is, I I did as much as I could to try to make him happy. But he was, un, it was unfixable and he wouldn't go to anybody. He was very stubborn. Um, and I understand why. I'm not, I'm not complaining about it, but I understood that this was what it was. And I didn't go out. If you remember, I didn't go to a restaurant for mm -hmm. 10 years. I didn't go. Right. We didn't go anywhere because he so couldn't what, go. So what did that lead so to? So what happened It was, was this book. I don't want to plug anything. Yeah. It was well, this book. Yeah. So Where Michael I, yeah. wrote a book. Just that's the Universe. Just that's the Universe. Again, but it was against what we wanted. You know, you came to us and said, I want to write this book. And yeah. both dad and I said, no, use a different name. You, you were, well, yes, you said use a different name. You were supportive of it. And you, you, you didn't want me preaching. And, and, right. and, and I didn't. Right. And it, you didn't want me saying like, you have to do this to be successful. Right. And, and that's not how I write anyway. I don't like telling people what, what the formula is for all of life. I just tell you what the formula was for me. Right. And that's really what we're doing on this podcast. We're not preaching to anyone. We're just saying what's working for us. You're shooting the shit. Well, yeah, pretty much. That's all having a do. conversation in a book form. You're having, yeah, and that's what the book was. You were talking right. about what and those were the review. You. Those were the reviews about the about Just Ask the yeah, Universe. You have almost a thousand reviews, oh, which is Amazon, which is man. terrific. I have no, I have like twelve hundred reviews. They but just they, 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 keep, they keep taking, taking off. I don't know why. Well, that's their policy. But in any case, what happened was you wrote that book, and then you went on to write. We were all swimming in your pool. No, you wrote a screenplay, mm -hmm. and then you said the sc the screenplay won sixth place in some contest fifth place out of 2,500 screenplays. It was in, I don't even remember the name of the contest script pipeline, script pipeline, right. big shout out to Dave and Matt at script pipeline. I don't okay. even know if they're still there. Yeah. They're there. Are they? Yeah. yeah. They, um, I know Dave might've moved on. He, he started his own production company, but I won fifth place out of 2,500 scripts and they, that kind of catapulted me to start, Writing novels. Writing novels, so right. Well, I, I mean, we mentioned this in a podcast before that you were like, let's create a brand. Right. Let's create a, a name. I didn't even know what a brand was when I was doing it, but I right. understood where we had to go. So you asked me to bring in my own book. And so I went Well, home. I dared you. We were all you swimming did, right. in your pool. Right. It was, it was Sharmi and the kids. No, yeah. it was Sharmi and the kids. It was you. Dad was sitting on the, on the deck. Um, Eric and Jen and the kids were there. And I said- you know, this just asked the universe, like I have like 50 reviews now. Right. And that right. was, that was pretty amazing. It was like a few months in and you know, the friends and family thing has kind of waned. And, and now I started getting actual verified purchases and people like, this is helping me. Yeah. I can't wait for the podcast to get past the friends and family. It will. You, yeah. you just got to keep doing it. Yeah. You just, it's already and, past the friends and family because it, 100 is. Actions, people are Anthony, our podcast is up to 2000 views. I don't have 2,000 friends. sending it to his gamer 
friends who go post it somewhere. Well, I don't big know what shout he's out doing. to the gamer friends. Yes. Yeah. Spread the love. He's, yeah, but you he know like what? Sends it, they put it on Reddit. So or each view is 100, 125. Alex, I don't want to digress too much. Alex said that um, he has all of his friends have their own YouTube channels, their own little gaming YouTube channels for Fortnite and Overwatch. It's it's cute and it's amazing. I'm really proud of all these kids that that are wanting to be creative. And he um he's like, Dad, how many followers do you have? I'm like, ah, nothing. Like we have 30 followers on YouTube and you know, each video gets on average about 100, 150 views. He's like, dad, he's like, my friends, they're all on Instagram and Snapchat and all those social media networks. He's like, they have like two or three subscribers and they're getting five views on their, yeah. I actually think at this moment we're at 30, we're at 30 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah. So 30 subs. Yes. Subscribe people, right? (laughs) Subscribe, subscribe. But anyway, we were in your pool. I dared you saying, listen, if I could write a book, you know, you, you were the brains of the so, family. So what was your yeah. first? I wasn't, so, I, it was always a collective So brain. what was your first book, Mom? So the first book was Captain No Beard. I wrote it that night. I based it on Playtime with Alexander, your son. And Hallie was just a newborn, but I included her in the book. Um, and um, I brought it in the next day, and, and we bought a package at Create Space. So what had happened was... Um, Create Space had a package back then where you you got an illustrator and we all collectively we picked an illustrator and the book I published the book I, they had an editor and it was it was adorable it was a cute little book about a, a boy who's how much uh, did it cost you to make? I think it was a three thousand dollar package to to do you know with the you had a set amount of illustrations and did you ever make that money back I've we've made the money back because the books sell constantly they're evergreen and. Here perpetual are, perpetual we're nine years later and the books are still selling and they're still popular right and so t- at, at its peak how much were how much were we making on our book business um we were in six figures we were no, what's the number uh one hundred eighty thousand dollars for the year what year was that that was back in the beginning 11 12 13 yeah, we, yeah. 2011 and we had much less but now we have over oh, now, now that was before britney was here right yeah. before we really started the publicity right. machine just for everyone's reference like we didn't make money like it generated revenue now mind you there are people that was constantly being reinvested there are people that are making 150 160 thousand dollars a year that's a lot of money to them so you know when we say there's no money in that i mean compared well we were reinvesting it because in order for me daddy felt very much that he wanted me to build a brand even though we didn't know what a brand was advertising on instagram was very expensive advertising Facebook, Facebook you know, all but every those. book sold was but, because of those ads. Yeah, right. but also creating the books on my end, while creating the books for you meant just sitting and typing a story. The expense for you was bringing in editors, picking a cover. Those were the, and then pu- publicity, I would order six, 700 paperbacks and then I'd mail them out. Mm-hmm. So that was where the cost was for publicizing your books, putting ads in, getting podcasts, doing things like that, mm-hmm. advertising. For me, it started in the beginning. A book preparing a book was expensive, and I took high quality illustrators. I took editors. I did a lot of different things to make the books as perfect as possible. So I wrote Captain No Beard, and it was named to Kirkus's Best for 2012. I didn't even know what that was, but right. it was a big deal. The um, the handler on Create Space called me up and said, "I can't believe it. You were named to to Kirkus's Best." And that's when I realized that maybe I'm okay with this. Maybe I've got like a certain kind of test. So I started to, I realized that you weren't going to make money with one book. I realized it's not going just to like work. dad always said, you're never going to make money with one, one car. car or one gas station or one ice cream stand. Right. It's all about um, volume, volume diversifying. 
So I started a, and I remember you were really on board for my second series. I, I pumped out a bunch of Captain No Beard books because he kept having children. So I had to dedicate a book to each child right. and then include them in the story. So that was why the Captain No Beard um, grew to 10 books. Not that they, they don't have 10 children, but we just wrote stories. I wrote stories about all the kids. So I, I, I was an ex-social star. I was a teacher for about a minute back in the 70s before I became pregnant. And um, I wanted to write a book. Uh, and I thought of it at, at like 5 o'clock in the morning. The title came to me. You've written a book in the 80s, though. You wrote Winds of Destiny? Yeah, I wrote, a, rom I wrote a romance. Winds of Destiny is under my own name, and you can buy it for around $30,000 on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't it. I didn't know yeah. anything about it. Winds of Destiny by Phyllis Oaken. Yeah, it was. Is it uh, really still on Amazon? Yeah you, yeah, you can find it. Yeah. It's amazing. But I wrote that it's a collector's when item. I was 23 years old. And I published it with a vanity press, which is, of course, different than self-publishing. Vanity What's press. What's the difference? You pay for it. You pay for it. I see. With self-publishing, yeah, you, you pay at whatever you want to pay, like if, right. however much you want to promote it. They distributed but or this, whatever. But this, the vanity press was also before self-publishing existed. There was. There was right. no self-publishing. Well, Amazon really upped the game with self-publishing. And Amazon. now you do it through KDP or from Well, I, I don't. Well. No, well, I handle all that. But right. Uh, and of course, you're not self-publishing anymore because you were picked up by a, a publisher. A publisher, right? As I have my children's books. So I wrote a book called "If You Were Me and Lived In," and it 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 did ten basic facts of culture, and it was written as an introduction to culture for kids ages four through eight, and it was just embraced by the homeschool uh, group in the country. They mm -hmm. they love the book, and it, it's not a it's not a technical book. It's not a a, a textbook. But it speaks directly to the child. I remember telling you about my idea. Yeah, we were at the diner. And I'm like, yeah, that, that would probably have was a lot there? of appeal. No, you weren't. I no, I, you I were. was alone with Eric. Yeah, but we went uh, went to Celebrity Diner. That's when, that's when Anthony Bourdain and Andrew Zimmern opened us up, opened everyone up to the world. That's exactly right. right. When Bourdain and Zimmern had those, and that's all I would watch. When I was Travis writing, I, yeah. Bourdain was on in the background and I was writing. Zimmern, Andrew Zimmern. Big shout out. He was yeah. my muse for this because yeah. dad and I would watch his show. Both those guys though were so influential then, in our writing. So this series was called If You Were Me and Lived In dot dot dot. Right. And then you would go to different cities around the world. Countries. In a, countries in a, from a child's point of view. I would have two children in the book, a male and a female. And they, I would go through If You Were Me and Lived in France. I always picked the capital because I felt I wanted children to be familiar with capitals. So If You Were Me and Lived in Australia, If You Were Me and Lived in Kenya. And it was basically what your name would be, what you would call mom, what you would call dad, and uh, what your favorite game would be, what's a sport, where you would take a visitor. So an icon of that country like the Eiffel Tower or, right. or the Barrier Reef or whatever it is. Um, and and a food, which turned out to be the most interesting part, because right. food's a great equalizer. And kids today are so sophisticated; they know about sushi, they know about pierogi, they know about. That's because of Anthony Bourdain. That's, that's what I'm because saying. of Andrew Zimmern. Zimmer. My kids love those shows. Even the Food Network, all right. the Guy Fieri, like those guys, they opened us up to a world that I didn't even know existed. And when, man, how how much did we watch No Reservations? Right. With Anthony yeah, Bourdain, no, it's, it's, that show they're, they're changed. Great, they're great shows. It, yeah. it, it it was so culturally culturally significant. Yes, that you know, like I mean, I I would never go to Chile and eat the stuff that Anthony Bourdain was eating, but I was living vicariously through him to say, 
This is, but it also familiarized yourself. So yes. you, you know, you saw, you found a common. And you did thread. that with books. I did that so with it was books. Bourdain, Zimmer, and Oaken. Right. So, <laughs> but so after if after if you were me and Lib, so you did Captain No Beard. Right. You did. You also did a yoga book. You did. I did a um, yoga book. What was right. the yoga book called? Um, I want. If you were yoga. me and never, I, I want to no. do yoga too. too. Right. Yeah. And then you did. If you were me and lived in dot dot dot. And then culture. Culture. And, and then, then I did a historic. Oh, and I ended. That's twenty two books that ends on Mars in, in 2054, if you were me and lived on Mars. And it, it takes a child to a Martian colony. It's a really pretty book. And then I did If You Were Me and lived in a historical periods. I was asked by all these homeschool moms, do another series for my older children. Mm-hmm. So I did 10 time periods. Uh, and again, these are, not, these are not school books. They're not textbooks. It's an introduction to history, and it demystifies history for that reluctant student. So they get a grasp of what life was like if they were a boy living in Viking times or a girl living in a girl living in ancient Mali. Mm -hmm. And it tells what kind of food. And a lot of people took offense because they had children marrying when they were 13. But I wanted children to understand how different life was. It's not judgmental. Mm -hmm. It's, it's not, it's a picture. It's a, it's almost like a, a, a snapshot in time in the middle ages what what kind of medicine if you if you had a sore throat so after this series what, what have you written next um i went into an early reader chapter book and and you have to understand that i read with your kids so my topics changed as the kids grew into new style books i ended up writing a how to book for indie authors mm-hmm. uh, uh navigate called navigating indie world i was asked to write a uh, an article on how Marketing you tips. Wrote, you wrote that with Julie Gerber. I wrote that with Julie who, Gerber. Who, who managed your social media That's for a time. That's exactly right. Back in the day, and you guys wrote a book together called Navigating Indie World. And then I was asked by a professor, uh, in I think she's in Maryland, and we wrote Marketing Indie World. And um, and those two books are, are nice little guides for an independent public, uh, somebody who wants to write a book and publish it. It gives step-by-step ways to publicize it, market it, you know, all the different avenues that are open and it's it's written for call it writing for dummies you know self-publishing mm-hmm. for dummies almost and not that i'm calling anybody a dumb but it's just really so that i could understand i just shared whatever i mm-hmm. i could on on the journey and now let's talk about when there you actually more. got picked yeah. up yeah well what happened and i also decided to write rhyming books which i wrote specifically for your children um i wrote specifically for each one of the children i wrote these beautiful and they were chosen as these books have won a lot of awards and they still, they sell every day. We sell between 10 and 14 to 22 paperbacks. They're in mass distribution. Mm-hmm. I mean, the books are doing well. What ended up happening, I, I was picked up by Callista Press to write. I've written, I don't know if it's three or four books for them now. So then I got picked up by a small press and they give me assignments and I write the books. So what was your, what was your first book that you wrote with them? Um, the, mindfulness for ch- for kids, and then um, you wrote a joke book. I wrote the joke book, and wait, what else did I do? That was it. Just two books, I think. No, there's a third book. You're doing a third book now. I'm, I, yeah, I'm doing a third book now, which I don't want to mention, and um, they've asked me to do a fourth. So you know, you successfully went from indie to published, right? And as Dad would say, don't quit your day job. Oh, right. But. It's certainly a, a, an exciting hobby to try and make it in. 
Eric, I wouldn't call it a hobby because it's consuming and this is the a goal career, this is, is a career it is a, right. it's but it doesn't compare I do my day work. I mean I I'm here at six o'clock, seven o'clock in the morning for BLS business. We right. are working and we're working yeah, well we into love, the night. But, you know, and, listen, we we we've always multitasked. Yeah. You know, and and posting content online, creating this podcast, you know, this is you know, this is, it's just all part of the game. That's the, that's what, that's what this podcast is about. It's about the idea of reinvention. You can't be scared of something new. And, and that's, and you know, like uh, we're showing our audience, all 30 subscribers, or one day it could be 30,000. You never know. And I, I do know it will happen. But the idea is that like, you know, you take on something new, do it with passion, do it, do it full heart, do, do it. Don't do it half-assed like that. You say either mm -hmm. shit or get off the pot. Right. We took on this book business, right? All three of us were, are heavily invested and we know an end game for my books. Right. We know an end game for your books. And right. Eric's the driving force behind all this creativity. He's helping us, you know, create. And Well, and Eric calls bullshit when he sees it. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we both read. I want to add, too, that I, w I branched off into adult fiction under the name Brit London. Yeah, and I want to get to that, too. Yeah, because I want to do it all. Right. And I want to do it all well. But what really helps, I want to say yeah. this, you can do, I, I started this journey at 58 years old, but most people are looking to close down Robert their lives. Robert Mondavi started his wine business at 65. Is that really him in that commercial? No, I no, oh he my passed God. away. He did? Yeah, he yeah, passed I, away. I wanted to That's Google a good lookalike though. Right? That's right? a good lookalike. And I love put that Robert Mondavi. Yeah, yeah, I love that commercial. I want to drink wine. When I, no, when I see that commercial, I go, look at that guy. How old well, is he? Well, I read his book. I don't know. The, the, the Wraths of Grape or something like that. I don't remember. I, don't I, remember. You, I gave that book to I you. Think I, I remember reading all. That was probably 20 years ago. I yeah. It was, right. It was. And, yeah. And, and this man was, he, you know, he was in a business and it failed and he just 65 years old. I think 65. Don't paraphrase me. Uh, don't quote me on it, but I'm paraphrasing here. I think it was 65 years old. He started his business and he lived till he was like 95, God 99 years him. old. But he built, you want to talk about an empire. You want right. to talk about a wine empire. The guy sold, I think, for billions of dollars or something to like Ian J. But Gallo. Or it's Wines not or always about money. That's my it's the point. Well, that's, it's the passion right. behind the, the project. A lot of times through the years, I forgot we were doing money this for is, money. See, I look at it like this, and I, I don't want to make this into a health podcast, but when everyone says the diet that Eric and I are on, well, you lost weight. I said weight loss was, was, was an afterthought. Right. It was regaining your health. Right. Building a business money to us, it's secondary. It's going to come. It's going to happen just it's like the weight loss. For, it's it's about, important. It's, it's, it's important, fam. but it's about the game. It's about, That's being, right. it's about being successful. And it's, about, right. it's about having passion and, and giving your all into that business. Right. And, you know, we definitely did that with the books. And I want to say that, yes, we became successful with the books. Um, Stephen King successful? Not yet. It will happen. J.K. Rowling successful? It may not. No, no, no. No, no. no what I'm saying is. It will. I, the bottom oh, line, yeah, the bottom line is that we're having a blast doing whatever. That's yeah. what it's all yeah. about. And it doesn't matter if it's like owning your own farm for argument's sake, or like, you know, a passion project that you want to do, like writing your own, writing your great American novel. And even if no one reads it, you still should pat yourself on your back for doing something that you wanted to do and accomplishing it. And that's the universe giving you that. And so, you know, I always say this to myself when I always say this to people that, when, when it feels like work, when you do what you love, it doesn't feel like work. And I know the three of us love what we do. To me, it doesn't feel like work. The books, um, the only time it feels like work is when I have to fly. 
<laughs> uh, I don't we, love we that. We try to make but that no, as it's easy fine. As I'm teasing. I'm teasing. I know, I'm but we, we try to make it as easy as possible I know. for you. I know, and we respect the fear, Michael. Yeah, it's it's not you know it's not to to. I'm say, all right with it. I'm all yeah, right. With no, it now. you've gotten better. I've gotten much better. You're in the wrong business. My soul chose this life to get over the fear of flying. Because Probably. I, I didn't, I didn't well, to deal with it or to Maybe deal with it, to deal with it because so nobody, very few people love flying. It's just something that's not do. true. Go talk to a pilot. pilot. I said, ver- I didn't say nobody. I said very few people love flying. Right. It's, it's just something that you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I'm reinventing myself with flying. Don't, and, and, and <laughs> he's it's already getting anxiety. Is the mother of I'm already, I started getting sweaty palms thinking about like but the turbulence the, on the, the plane. The expression is, so what's the expression mean? Necessity is the mother of reinvention. What does that mean? I don't know. Necessity, Eric. Necessity is the mother. That's of you're, you're mashing Anthony Robbins now. That's, you can't no, do that. No, that's the real expression. And what it means is that when you need something and you keep reinventing yourself, you'll learn to deal with it. You will create. Oh right, okay, yeah. That's like the, what it's all about. A necessary about. thing that you want. Yes, when you even need if to, even if it is about the money, right? You know, even if people say like you know I want to be a billionaire. I mean, it's a, it's it's a lofty goal. You gotta find happiness. If you're not happy, you know, our father had he it all. Had everything. He, he had it all. He had money. He, he had the massive house. Private. He right. had the massive house. He could have any car he wanted. Miserable. But he was miserable. Because he didn't have his health. Right. I, I, and, and, and I think, you know, I have taken over my health. We have really honed into our health in the last 10 years. You were grossly overweight. Yeah. You were grossly overweight. I was... I was overweight and, and was sick and asthmatic with fatty liver and everything was reversed because we really focused on getting healthy because you could have all the money in the world. You could have all the fame and fortune and real estate and you could own everything. But if you don't have your health, if you we had feel if, good and if you're, if we had you're a not, front row seat, we had a front row seat to a man who had everything but didn't have his health and he was miserable. But what I respected about the way you did it was the way you researched it. You went to multiple sources and that was what I was going to bring up before about the books. At 58 years old, I didn't have a Facebook page. I didn't know what Twitter was. Right. I didn't know what Instagram was. I had no social media uh, social media background. Nothing. But you I, learned it. I learned it right. because I wanted to succeed with this. And the beauty of it is the network out there is so willing to help you. There yeah. is a plethora of places to go. Who do you shout out? Who do you shout out to that Julie, helped you? Julie Gerber. There, so there's on Goodreads. There, there's a threads. I have a thread with over six thousand authors that we exchange ideas, and nobody's and they don't hoard it and say I don't want to share the information. It's that that's the beauty of social media, and that has what helped Eric and I in our weight loss and and finding our health right. journey. Whether I that was I don't I don't let's not, let's not turn this into a health thing. It's not uh, it's discipline. Yep, yeah, agreed. And agreed. it's about networking with people. Right. I could have never learned what I learned reading well, you know, the books. Um, one thing that we didn't cover was you you are Carol P. Roman, but you're also your other. Uh, Brit London, your, your Brit London as well, right. and so she went into nonfiction, and she actually started. She wrote a book, called, she, oh no, fiction. She went sorry, fiction. fiction. She went right. into fiction, and you started a book called Bulwark. Well, right? the, what, an interesting story. I had always written uh, children's children's books. I had always written kids books, and it was my comfort zone. And um, a group of authors on Goodreads. I made a lot of friends. I've never met these people, but I have a lot of friends on Goodreads, and we we talk to each other. We 
it's it's a really close knit community. And um, so what had happened? We help each other. And so a, a group came to me, and it was Halloween two years ago, and they said, "Would you? Uh, we want to do an anthology. We think that that's a way if we piggyback off of each other, and we combine our social networks, we can all sell books together." So they said, we want to do something for Halloween. So it was in, about in May. And of course, with me, I jump on it. And I, I was the first one. And I created a, a mythical town of Bulwark, Georgia. And it, it always comes to me when I'm writing. I get the first image in my head, almost like a movie. Mm-hmm. And then I just start writing. And You don't plot it out? I never plot. And I let the characters tell me where they want to go. Yeah, I never know. I when, when I well, start, I, I, I plot it out. I, I you, have to, you have to know, I have to know the end game. You, you're a control kind of guy. Yes. I kind of let the characters develop and speak for themselves. Tarantino does that. And I don't know how he does it because you let the characters develop and let them, but I do that when I write the script. Well, at, so maybe you're, unfold. maybe you're doing it that way. You're yeah, unfolding. but I have to know, but I, but, but you, I, you're working on the new one now and you're not plotting it out. It's very hard. It's hard, it's but you, hard. it's longer than all your, well, other I was books. told not to. Yeah. Well, you would, t- you would put a gun it. to my head. Right. Saying, saying no more, right. no more plotting out on your screenplay. Monsterland three is definitely a different. It's like this. I know. It's, like it's this thick. Yeah. So, um, so anyhow, so they came to me and said, we want it. So I started the book and I wrote the book in three days and, uh, we picked the name Brit. My assistant is Brittany. So I picked and Brit. it's like a hundred pages, right? It's, it's about 120 pages. It's really good. And it's a really good it's book. It's a cute, and it has two endings. I decided I wasn't happy with the single ending. So I gave the people a choice and it was on Radish for a little while, which is an online reading thing. And I put it on medium and then none of the other authors finished their books. So I decided to publish it to see if I had, if I if I was good as an adult fiction writer, and it got some decent reviews, and it yeah, had but some. Yeah, but look at what it spawned. It spawned a whole anthology from all these different writers. The next so, year, so how I many, was. How many books were written based off of your book? Uh, nine other books. It's amazing. So, so the next so you year, you spurred creativity from nine other people. Who were those people? Give shout outs. Well, R.L. Jackson, of course, my good friend, and uh, I great. do a podcast with yeah, her. Yeah, she's great. Uh, we we have uh, we created a magazine called India. Indie Authors Monthly, and we also have a podcast called Indie Indie Authors Roundtable, and um, and then uh, E uh, E H um, Graham and um, Debs Cooper, D J Cooper, and uh, Kate Kate McLeod. These are and all your friends. The, all my friends. Kate lives in I think Australia or England. I don't even know. And, through the and power of the D, internet, right? D J. Right. I've never met D J, but we write every day, and right. and uh, you know she writes great science fiction and. She took one of the characters that I created and wrote a whole backstory. Oh, and there was also um, Dale Henderson and um, my uh, and Katie Katie Kelly, who I've never met. It's amazing. She wrote Mom. the body, and he wrote the Battle of Bulwark, taking characters that I created. And then, lastly, Brittany uh, Brittany Lee, my assistant. Brittany Bass. Brit. Well, her real name is Brittany Bass. She wrote The Darkness, and it's gotten some pretty by amazing Brittany reviews. Lee? By as Brittany Lee, you know, she used. Okay. Uh, and um, and she wrote her very first book, That's which amazing. was fulfilling a dream for herself. And she published it, and she's gotten reviews. We she should get Brittany on here. Did, was she excited about that? She she was fearful. Yeah, uh, but you know, were you ever fearful on any book that you've written? Did you have any trepidation? Like, no, this is the I don't. I don't have that fear. Right. I, you know, when the let me explain something to you. When the reviews come in and you get that one star, you, you get, get the you get pretty 
hot. You get pretty heated when when someone when you get shitty reviews. Well, it, I don't get. We, heated we know you're in a bad mood that day, Eric. I, and I go, I, oh, I she got a tr- one I'm star. Troubled. I'm troubled. She got a one star review. Fuck, we're gonna have a bad day. She's gonna fucking call us a hundred times. Well, well, it makes me question myself. <laughs> oh, and please. then no, I do because I read the reviews. And then I say, oh my God, I didn't think of that. Look, I had they, one it, bad review on Just Ask the Universe the first day it came out and it was someone I knew who did right. that. Right, that, but that was that malicious. Was, it was malicious. And I was really upset about that. After that, don't and care. And what's the one rule? Don't, what's the one you rule can't, when you get a, You can't put yourself out there and then be upset. Right. When you have critics. Oh right. my God, and absolutely. you can't ever respond to them. You, and I want to say that any publicity is good publicity. Even if they say something negative about you, like there's some people that don't like my books, tough shit. I'm still going to write. It's not going to stop me from writing. They didn't well, like that books, particular you know, story. Books, podcasts. Yeah, it doesn't matter. It's all the same stuff. Well, you try not to offend people, but people do yeah, get offended. Fuck them. <laughs> people do get offended. But um, when I get like a, a negative review and it's because of something that I agree that I might've done better, I, right. do, I get, I beat myself up about it and I use that information for, for the, the next, next time. Book. So hold on. So you've, so, so far we've talked about reinvention, this podcast, you've reinvented yourself. Dad passed away. You reinvented yourself. Well, it was as this, before daddy. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm talking about sick. even, I'm talking, yes, absolutely. I'm talking with the books, you reinvented yourself. When dad passed, you reinvented yourself as, as a powerhouse, an icon in this industry. Thank you. Well, uh, yeah, no problem. Because it's the truth. What's next for you? Like, do you even, do you even go, do you even plan? Or are you just gonna be like, well, let's try yeah, this. You know what? I make it up. Part of the fun is I make it up as I go along. Years ago, do you remember the movie Parenthood? Yeah, it's a classic. There's one scene when the grandmother's looking at the table and, and she's explaining something to a kid. And that image stayed with me. And it was like, that was one of those images that defined my life. And she said, you can live your life on a merry-go-round. And she shows in slow motion going around, around in a circle. And she said, or you can be on that roller coaster. And, and it shows that fear and the excitement. That is this podcast. Well, how do you want to live your life? We, we live our life on a roller. Dad took us on a roller coaster right. with health, with business. With his temper. With his temper. Even now, the roller it's coaster. certainly more exciting. Yeah. Well, it makes you, you have to be quick on your feet. I know, listen, daddy was tough. So like, if he thought you were throwing the bullshit, he like, he called he you called out. He called you out on it. But we, call- but we do that between each other. Right. But we we generally don't lie to each other or we don't lie to ourselves saying, oh, this well, what, is good. What did I teach you from the very beginning? To thy own self be true. Explain that. Was, that. That's going on your headstone when it's time. Because oh, thank you very much. That's the truth. It was a footstone. A footstone, okay. whatever the case. Yeah. But that that line. Defines re- that, our life. That's our theme. Yeah, that's the oaken theme. You can bullshit anybody, but don't bullshit yourself. Right. Right. I've always told you don't. And when I see you doing it or you're right. making excuses, you know what? But all those YouTube guys, like I follow a lot of these guys and what, whatever their diet are, whether it's vegan, fasting, carnivore, they are true to who they are because they believe in it. Right. You know, if you're 500 pounds, don't look in the mirror and go, well, I'm thin and healthy. Don't right. do that. You know, and, 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 and that's, that's well, being true you, to who well, you, you are. You know what, Michael, you cannot let weight define you. If you, if, if a person wants to be that way, then all the power to them. Absolutely. There's nothing wrong with, there is nothing wrong. 
you know that you didn't feel well, you had health issues. But I so didn't hang on. But that's the point though, right. is that when I had a big belly and my bloods were out of whack and I, I was miserable and I was foggy and I couldn't, and I was getting sinus infections every three weeks. I still wasn't going there. Oh, I'm still pretty healthy. I said to myself, something is wrong. I have to change. I have to make a change. And Eric and I made that change. Well, you reinvented yourself. We reinvented ourselves. That's exactly you right. Reinvented your um, diet. Finally talking about reinvention. I bought a Peloton and it might've been the stupidest reinvention <laughs> I've ever done in my life because I can't, I can't stand up and I can't sit down because my entire lower half of my body feels like just like a twisted entanglement. It'll be, it'll be easier the next time. Sharon's like, do you want to return it? Cause she doesn't want to do it. I'm like, no, no, I want to see this through. She better get on there. She, no, she, Sharon's Sharon, got a week lower. On. Sharon has a week. No, but you know, the only way you can fix a bad back is by exercise. And I said, it. I text Sharon right before we got on the podcast. She's like, let's return it. I'm like, no, no, no. I'm like, I'm seeing this through. I'm like, all right, so maybe I'm not going to do it today because my bottom half is a mess right now. <laughs> it's an absolute mess. But you know, I, I bought a Peloton because I want to try something new. I've never ridden a bike before. Mm -hmm. I used to ride in the street and, you know, when we were like into the Goonies things back in, <laughs> back in the elementary school days, I thought I was a Goonie, but like, I never rode a bike like Lance Armstrong did. Right. Right. I, I did you're, a scene. You're, you're still not. No, no, I know that. <laughs> Believe me, I know that. My calves aren't are nearly a size what they want, what, what I want them to be, but reinvention don't be scared to reinvent yourself that's and and our mom is living proof not to be scared of reinvention even you, if even if you lose money on it even if you don't succeed it was still something that you have you to accomplish yeah, you have to try but it's there's no such thing if you can take away the stigma of mistakes and forgive yourself what's that sentence bad judgment uh, mistakes come from bad judgment bad judgment comes from i don't know it I got to find that quote. We, we Success have... comes from bad judgment. Bad judgment comes from mistakes. Mistakes come from something like that. But it's well, in so order you, to be you successful. Can, you can't succeed without first failing. Right. Yeah, it's impossible. Right. Well, we don't fail. The, failu every, the failures every make fucking day, unfortunately. <laughs> the failures make you stronger. But it, you can't beat yourself up. And if well, you the, look at it as a life the, lesson. The, you know, the, the, the true success stories actually fail hard. But then they, they have the guts to fix it. Right. Because it's very easy to fall into your own failure and just live there and get comfortable with it. But if you can really get out of the failure and you, it's amazing, but let me tell you something right around the corner, another failure. Right. Yeah, of course. You're going to, you're going to keep screwing up and, but I, it kinda and toughens that's okay. You. It toughens you yeah. up. It's like, it's like, uh, you know, those karate guys who break their hands, their hands get stronger with each, each time they break them, the bones get stronger. So yeah. it's like in Kill Bill where she's trying to break out of the coffin yep. and she has the flashback there. Her and Pai Mei, that was on the other day. Have you seen Kill Bill? No, <gasps> yeah, it's too violent. The great, that's probably his best movie. It's violent though. It's violent, but where, you know, in the beginning she meets this, this Zen master, this, this, you know, martial arts wizard. Um, and you know, she's trying to, he, and he, he's showing her, um, that, you know, your enemy could be an inch from you. You have to break through him. And his guy, he takes his hand and he breaks through, this piece, this plank of wood, this thick plank of wood, and she's starting it, and you see her. The skin is 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 all broken on on her fingers and her knuckles, and she's building up to it, and she's trying every. It's getting and it's so hard for her and um to break this one plank of wood, 
And it's Tarantino is a genius. He doesn't show her breaking that plank of wood. He, she's buried alive. There's a whole story behind this. Yeah, she's we'll buried alive. Give it away for people. Who no, are no. That, believe me, everyone watching this, all 30 people who are watching this podcast, <laughs> or all hundred people who are watching this podcast, have seen Kill Bill one and two multiple times, except you. And she's buried in this in this coffin. She's buried alive, and she her only way out her is to is to break it. And she she learns what Pi May does. And I don't know how we got on that topic because it makes you your failures getting make strong, stronger. Right, right. And and you know, starting out with that plank of wood, she couldn't. She, I mean, she was breaking her fingers, but then she f- was finally able to break through. And when she needed it most, as a hero's journey, right? This is also a hero's journey podcast. She was reborn. She was dead. She was buried. She was under. She was and reinvented. That was, and she, well, she, re- she yeah. Uh, it's it's more than that. It's okay. it's it's um. You, your soul has to die in order for it to be reborn. Mm-hmm. That's storytelling. 25 minutes left of every single movie. It doesn't matter what movie. There is some type of death. There is a form of a cat's going to die. Someone's going to think about dying. A friendship, a friendship dies. A parent will die. Something will happen that has, in a death. That has to propel. That will propel the protagonist into reinventing themselves and digging deep down and learning the lessons from the B story. Man, we got. I could talk about this for hours. But Michael, that's the story Next of one. life. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And and when you when Dad died, the, you have to use those stories. Dad was that twenty five minute mark for us. Yep. Dad was that twenty five. Dad passed, and it allowed Eric to dig deep. Eric and I and you dug deep down to say, we have we have one shot at this. We have one shot to really take BLS into the stratosphere and make it into a global entity. And we're in the process of doing that right now. And getting and, and, and having that death was the rebirth of us. It was the rebirth of the protagonists. And I know dad's with us and I know we can right. talk all spiritually and, you know, all that, you know, hooey, hooey nonsense and everything. A lot of people don't believe him, but we do. That was our page 25 in our screenplay of life of dad passing and going, this is terrible. But we broke through like Beatrix Kiddo did in Kill Bill and she, she was reborn. Well, and I always, and what I, you know, what I always see, you know, you were, man, that was, that's, you were, that's you, a good, yeah, uh, but you were in a bereavement group. Yes. And you, people, majority of people use death at, to, to, to stop, to, 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 right. to curl up. Well, it, that's right. your, that's your natural instinct. Right. That's your, that's your natural instinct. It, it was, it wasn't for you. Michael, every day was a struggle. Oh, yes. It still is. Yeah. I know. You know, I miss, I miss them a lot. Right you know, 48 years to be together. <clears throat> and we were together 24, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We worked together. We played right. together. Our interests were together. Even when I wrote, he was in the next room and I would right. read him what I was writing the last week of his life. I read him uh, Bulwark or I think, I think I read him Bulwark. I read him something and he, no, I read him an article that I wrote for, I read him an article that I wrote for uh, Medium the the thing that's on I don't even know what it it's like a collection of blogs they asked right. me they paid me to write an article I mean I really really reinvented myself I was being asked by big publications to write articles if you Google Carol P Roman she's all over the place right. and he really hadn't read any of my books he had looked at them but he really had and I read him the article and he cried at the end of the article and he said you know you're really a good writer yeah and it meant so much to me that he listened to this article yeah. So, um, yeah, it was really hard for me, but I knew if but I you, stayed but there, you, you reinvented yourself. I, if I stayed and, there, and I that, was going to, I was going to die. That's the story of 
all, that's why movies are made is because right. at the, at the, towards the end of a movie, there's going to be a death that's going to allow someone to reinvent themselves. Right. And dad was our death. Right. And we reinvented ourselves. And I think that we're, 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 I don't want to say finishing strong. I mean, I feel like we're just getting started. I, I mean, it's just, there's going to be more reinventions for you. And oh I hope God, there's going to be more reinventions for you and for me, you know, yeah, I'm, and, I'm and starting death, my and, own and podcast. The death right? that Michael's talking about doesn't have to necessarily be of a person. Right. Just, just to put that out there, it, it could be anything in your life. In you, Elf, in the movie Elf with Will Ferrell, he, it, it's a kid's movie. So like, you know, they're not going to kill Santa Claus or something. Why but, they kill all the mothers in the Disney movies? Yeah, well, there, there's, um, there, uh, what was that? I was watching Moana, and there was like a the, the grandmother. Yeah. Well, no, no, the grandmother died in the beginning to propel her into right. the adventure. But there's two different types of deaths. Right. There's one to propel, and there's one to. Well, the Dark Knight of the Soul, the one that Michael's talking about, is right. when when uh, uh, Maui left her. Right. She had nothing left, and she that was her. Left. That was her, her. Her emotional death. Right. That she didn't have the support to carry on the journey. But she the death, anyway. th There was a death in Moana when the grandmother came back and showed the death that she, she was with her in the afterlife. Mm -hmm. In Elf, no one dies in Elf. He's just on a bridge contemplating death. He doesn't jump off the bridge, but right. there's still a, a moment. There has to be a moment towards the This third is the moment. Yeah. It's the change. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's yeah. that but, change. And, and, but you know, you, you have to be strong enough to use that to propel you forward. Yes. Yeah. And, and not everyone's got that. No, because, a lot of, but, but I think the reason why is because they're just not even aware that it's an option. They're not, they're not even aware of what's happening to them. Right. Well, fear is, fear is a lot of people are afraid of change and a lot of people don't have a support system. I have a great support system. I have you guys, I have your wives. I have even my grandchildren and my brothers. I have a great, I have staff here. They embraced right. me. Yes. I have wonderful people. As a friend, as a, as a yeah. coworker, as, an, as right. a boss. Right. You know. no, I never feel like I'm their boss. No, I, I know. I agree. You know, I feel like I'm their mom. Yeah. But, you know, they really helped me get through it. Right. So you have to know to look to reach out and ask for help. Right. That's the biggest thing. People are grieving. They don't realize they, they have to go for help, whether it's professional or just lean into somebody. You have to find some. It could were there be, any were there any books that helped you uh, get over? Um, one of the bereavement groups gave me a book. I don't remember the name of it, but it was like a nonfiction book, and we read the book and discussed. And what the book did, because um, I went to two bereavement groups, and what the book did was it um, it explained what I was feeling. Like I knew I was feeling a certain way. I would look at something, and and stuff was going on in my head that was not I was not familiar with. And when I would read this book, it would say, oh, you're at stage two. And that's what you, and I go, oh my God, it really, it really does follow a pattern. I mean, I don't remember it because I, I finished it. It's like shedding clothing mm -hmm. when I was done. I, I still grieve, but it's different. It's a right, different kind of grief. Right. Um, the fog is gone. And the first bereavement group was, was so important because even though, and I, I want to just say how I ended up going to the bereavement group. I didn't want to go. And I went to your, your son's nursery school and there was an event going on and I was sitting with Zach and we were doing something and you were, you were just staring at me and you took pictures of me and then you showed me the picture and you said, mom, look at yourself and I think you need to go talk to somebody. And when I saw my face, I realized that I mm -hmm. really needed to be in a bereavement group. I didn't see that right. mm -hmm. until I looked at those pictures. And so I joined the bereavement group and there were there were seven or eight widows there 
Um, and just what I found was just walking in the room and sitting and we didn't even have to talk. We would just look at each other. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just such a comfort of being with people who understood everything you were feeling and we didn't have to say anything. Mm-hmm. And it was a great experience because we all helped each other. In fact, last night I had them all for dinner and we're talking, it's two years. And and they were all at, at, up at our years, home. Yeah. Yep. You know, it's coming on two years. It was, a lot of them are celebrating their second year anniversaries with, with this. And they were all at the house and we had dinner together. So we formed these deep, bonding friendships and um i want to add that uh, a friend of ours died last month yeah. and i we went to the funeral and it was really interesting because when i walked up to his widow who i'm not particularly fr- i mean i know her but we're not friends i was friendlier with the husband he worked for us for 17 years bill kane yeah he was a great guy R.I.P. Bill. yeah and um he was a friend of the family and he was a friend to everybody who worked here and I walked up to her and we just stared at each other. And that's what you do. And I grabbed her hand. And at the same time, at the same exact moment, we both said, it sucks. Yeah. And that's all. We didn't say, I'm sorry. We didn't. It just sucks. Right. And she got it. And I, and it was like, we, we didn't even laugh, but we looked at each other and said, <laughs> yes, that's it. You're in. You got to, you know, you got to use that energy to propel you forward. That's right. Yeah. And I knew, I learned that you, know, you like, can't stop. You, you look at people's in, in you, you'll look at celebrities or famous people. And I'll just use one example. Probably not a lot of people know this, but Jonah Hill's brother died. Oh, I didn't know. Jordan. Oh. Jordan. And, uh, Jordan. Um, and I feel in some way he used the death to propel himself forward. Right. To direct to, movies to, or to, something. To direct or do right. whatever he's doing. But if you go and look into people's lives, and especially really successful people, they were all propelled by something traumatic. Yep. And a lot of the times it's a death. Who else? Jim Carrey's father. Right? Jim Carrey's father. Yeah. Um, I, I used to, uh, um, Big Boy from Outcast. I used to watch a show. I don't know. It was, it was a great show on MTV. It was um, a soundtrack of our life or something where they would do a soundtrack to a biography, like a musicography oh, or something that no, was great and and i remember it was so funny and that was before save the cat before i even read save the cat and every single person eminem big boy all these musicians these talent these really creative people they all had a death at some point of a grandparent a parent and within a year they made stardom but right. you know, they I were read, selling out arenas within right. a year i right. read in pieces by sally field it was her bio- biography and it's a shocking biography because um, she's had a really tough life. She was sexually abused by her stepfather, who she adored. Right. And she's had this really traumatic life. And you don't think that because she's so perky and she was Gidget and she was this adorable teen. She was the flying nun. And she was all, Mary Todd and Lincoln. Yeah, but th- that's my that was my point. So right. she had all these kind of fluffy roles that she she had as a kid while this horrible disgusting Trap, yeah. thing was happening to her and in the book i remember i was repulsed by reading about how she had no one that championed her or or helped her. and she suffered with anorexia she suffered you know with a bad everyone marriages. has but, something but everyone yeah. use it but, right but, but that's use the it, point use right. it you, right she was at lee strasberg's theater learning how to act right and it was only when she pulled up the horror of her youth that she was able to use those feelings to win that Oscar. Right. So that when you see her suffering, 
It's real. It's real. Right. She's the, pulling on her life's experience. It was a brilliant book. That, you know, this this goes into something, and that is the absolute truth. That is the that is gospel. That is the truth. That is everything. I don't want to. I don't want to make this into a um a, a, a no fap podcast. But there's something in Napoleon Hill's book called Think in Think and Grow Rich. It's my Bible. It's the science of getting rich. Think and Grow Rich. These are the books that help me. We can, we can save sexual transmutation. Okay, sexual transmutation. It's not, it's not, it's taking energy. If you're wasting your energy, if you're taking your energy and focusing on something that's not being productive, you're wasting your time. But that, but that's, and and that's the point is that when something, when, when you're taking your energy and you're making it into something that's not useful, you're not going to be successful. But that goes for everything. Right. Mm -hmm. That goes. Sally Field could have taken that energy. And, and, but and, she and, did. And, and, she and did. Or she could have taken that energy and be miserable. And overdose on drugs. And she right. could have overdosed on sure, drugs. Right. I'm sure she did. Or, you know, I don't, I no, don't know the don't, story. She didn't. No, clearly, she, no, she's she still did. alive. No, she didn't. She straightened out her life. She was just nominated a few you know, years she ago was, for Lincoln. Was, but or she took that energy. Well, Norma then, Ray, she won the Oscar. Right. And she said. They like me. But, but they really, really like me. But do you understand what she was saying with that? Because she knew what was going on. She had no confidence. They like me. Right. I can do this. Right. They really, really, I and am that is, capable. That's words of wisdom. Right. Because there's two ways to do it. You get stuck. And this is reinvention. This is right. the whole theme of it. You can get stuck. Right. And make that uh, all encompassing. Right. And, and, and have that have tragedy. Have destroy your life. Right. Have the death, the tragedy. Right. The, 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 the addiction. Have it the encompass. The divorce. The divorce. Anything. You can right. have it encompass your life. Or you could take all of that energy and propel it into a business, into writing a book, into, into loving yourself, into loving yourself. Exactly. Into loving yourself. Exactly. And, and, and that it, you don't have to produce a book to be successful. No, no, I know that. It's That's just, an, it's yeah, just, but an, I want to say it, that it's just an example. Record. It could be, it could, yeah. be, it could be anything. It could be, right. you could be the best truck driver. Starting right. up.